Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what we want. (laughs) That is what we're hoping for. Stop dying, man. In so many ways. uh, I just can't tell you how much not dying is key to the whole thing of happiness. Aye. You don't okay. want to die of suicide like so many millennials are. You don't want to die of COVID like so many of the great generation are. You don't want to die of drugs like so many Gen Zers and, and Gen Xers and baby boomers are. So there's actually three generations, uh, four generations. So Gen Z, Gen X, and baby boomers. Three generations are dying of drugs. Only only two are really dying of suicide. That is Gen Zers and baby boomers, hmm. right? And then COVID, as we know, that everybody's it's top of, talk of the town for the last year, that is 82% of the great generation and late baby boomers. So we got to stop this death. We need... We need everybody to wear a mask and get vaccinated and we need more connectivity we need more honesty we need better parenting that's what this show is about okay it's kind of a tall order yeah i mean just right. is any of the world's ills we've left out of that that's, that's a big <laughs> order <laughs> you can just start with the with the good parenting i don't think that's ever going to happen so we'll get ditch that (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't seem that parenting is like universal like the the notion of good parenting it's not a universal thing no the teachers unions dictate this the policy Uh, okay well Uh, because i can go back to when we when when elijah was getting in trouble in school he's a millennial when he was getting in trouble in school he did say something once he was getting suspended like the fourth or fifth time he said dad what you describe as your elementary school and middle school and high school, you would have been suspended more than I am. And when I think <laughs> about it, and when I looked into it, he was right. There was zero tolerance for physical stuff. So right. if you push somebody down on the playground, you literally nowadays get suspended from school. Yep. I, I mean, that's just, A, it's illogical, because children, we know children regulate and learn how to regulate with each other. And so, so we're just trying to act like children don't push each other around, right? Right, like that's an unnatural thing and should not be tolerated on any level. Yeah, so we're, <laughs> we're setting an unrealistic expectation for children. We're labeling some children good, meaning the ones who don't get caught pushing people down, and bad, the ones who do get caught pushing people, pushing kids down, and because a majority la- of them, a majority of them do push kids down. And they get labeled a bully, yeah. Well, yeah, a bully or, or, or emotionally, you know, and it's always kind of this unspoken thing that it's a parent's fault no it's the society's fault who who decides zero tolerance that you you marginalize kids i mean this goes to elvis too elvis got in trouble in kindergarten and he just got off the bat wrong in this school and we had to move him to another school because all the parents thought he was bad and all the kids teachers thought he was bad i mean this is real 
This wow. shitty way of parenting that America has been doing for 20 years, it's real. Uh, it's, man, it, the, the fighting it took to get Sasha back into school after being expelled on the first day of high school for being in a fight that he didn't start, but it was on camera anyhow. And see, the teacher would say, you're naive. Your kid's started bad. You're on oh, drugs. No, he, drug he actually addict. said, I have 3,500 students at this school and I don't need this kind of problem. So we're, he's expelled. Now you can go take it up with the district. And we had to do alternative high school. And alternative high school for a, a first day of ninth grader really put him in with a great group of kids. And yes, I judge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my, my thing is, like, everything is, is slanting and pushing towards normalcy, right? So if you have autism, you want to mainstream them so that they're normal. No, they're just gifts from God. I worked with autistic people for three years. They're just so gentle and loving and kind, and they're everything that we should be as human beings, but, oh, no, they're not normal, so we got to make things normal. Everybody, All this shit about normal, Chuck, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, don't, exactly want my, I don't want my kids to be normal at all. Normal right. is fucking retarded. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> normal is like I, I, I watched Bill Burr stand up last night, and he's talking about like his wife, you know, doesn't like his shortcomings, right? And he, they get in this fight, and she's taken off in the car. And he goes, yeah, go down, go down to Caro's and find some guy that's just always even keeled and always does the right thing, a normal guy. Go find him and see how long you want to stick around with that. Right. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? We all right. have our shortcomings, our strengths, and our weaknesses, and we don't embrace it. We just want everybody to be this thing called normal. That's what all school is geared towards. The testing is all geared toward it. Towards it. Here's what normal is to me, Chuck. 20% of the population is on antidepressants. Drug addiction is, uh, drug overdose is the leading cause of death in America besides COVID. Suicide is the leading cause of death of males between the ages of 36 and 54. If that's normal, Fuck normal. <laughs> right. I mean, set aside all the other stuff, like what that what that means is that if you don't fit into this mold, then you're out of it. It's like what you were just saying is like what, what Bugs got going on mimics autism in a lot of ways. So it's like I think I tonight at karate, I think I figured out that I might have to pull him out of karate because he doesn't like it once it comes into being a contact sport between two people hitting each other. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it once it gets there. The rest of it, the exercise, the everything else, the kicks, the punches. But once it's two people hitting each other, even though they're not hurting each other, he did not like watching that tonight. Yeah, so he's I, a gentle, he's a gentle soul. So it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to say, "Do you want to go back?" And if he wants to go back, we'll go back. If he doesn't, I'm not going to push him to be normal or like every other kid. Yeah, like every other kid. So, so I believe that we've been we've been doing two things at once which is trying to uh, act like anything outside the norm is a problem that needs to be dealt with to bring it inside the parameters of normal right that's with psychiatric medications for eight-year-olds eight-year-olds eight that's year crazy olds. 
right? That's crazy. Who's thinking that that's a good idea? All all of the psychiatric profession, pediatric psychiatric profession, they put they put they put Elijah on on uh, uh, Prozac or whatever it was, Paxil, when he was like twelve years old. They put oh they put children on adult drugs that on the label it says don't use for minors, but a doctor can do anything they want. So we're trying to we're pushing all this normalcy, right? And then on top of it, we're making it more confusing by saying everybody's feelings are so important and everybody's a snowflake and everybody's, you know, unique and special. How can you be normal like everybody else and unique and special? How does that work? <laughs> Maybe that's why our kids are so fucking confused. You need to be normal, but you're special and perfect and all this bullshit. And, and you and I deal with it once they're grown-ups and they have all these bad ideas of who they are, what the world owes them, right? Mm -hmm. And what, what they shouldn't have to do. The whole idea that I don't have to do something because I don't want to. Like the idea that to be self-supporting, as you know, is one of the hardest things to knock into a young adult's head. The idea that you're going to have to actually support yourself in this life going to have to find a way to make money. No, and nowadays the government's going to give you $1,200. <laughs> yeah, well, the Remember those first checks? Like every person I knew in Silver Living was waiting on that check. Yeah. Like, I got to get that check. I got to get that check. And I was like, in the time you've been talking about this check, you could have gotten a part-time job and made three times that. You could have made, made that money and have more coming and have some self-worth yeah. and some value and some direction and some accountability, all the stuff we need to feel complete. So, but the, but the parenting thing is not my number one priority. The, the last week we were talking about it today, something happened to me, Chuck. Uh -oh. And I, I got to talk about it. And I think it might be even a part of don't die now. And I don't know about other cities, but I, I experienced something in Los Angeles that very strange. So years ago, when they were talking about transgender bathrooms in Charlotte, North Carolina, I said, well, I'm in, from L.A. I wouldn't know about that. They don't really have that many public bathrooms in Los Angeles anyways, because we have such a big homeless population. You know, you have to have right. special permission. Right. You have to buy a sandwich before they'll give you the code for the bathroom. You know, like it's like to go to the bathroom at a Starbucks or a restaurant in Los Angeles is like asking for, you know, <laughs> but no, they do. Yeah, they do. So it's, now, like, it's like you're asking, asking so for a now with COVID, check. It's just given permission for every, every business in, a, in Los Angeles to say, Oh, uh, because of COVID, we have our bathrooms a lot. So Chrissy had an appointment to the baby update right because we're expecting a baby in six mm -hmm. weeks and Whoa. they don't okay the that guys. went fast yeah we don't they don't allow the guys to go in so it's really weird you just kind of drop her off in front of kaiser and then i sit in the car so during childbirth they're not gonna let you be there yeah they're gonna let me be there but i can't leave so if i leave i can't come back so we're so it it wouldn't be it won't be a problem unless it's like a thirty six hour you know you know her last time it was twenty four hours it took a yeah but it was number one until, for her right ah uh, yeah number one so hopefully number two will go better.
So on, on to the pooping story, because I can feel it coming. Okay. I didn't say it was pooping. Anyways, well, it is a pooping story. It's a pooping story. Of course story. it is. It's a bathroom story. It's a freedom. It's a freedom. I want the Proud Boys to start fighting for this freedom for us. Uh, you know, and all the, everybody else that cares about freedom and, uh, and justice. Justice and freedom. So, uh, Chuck, I had had some coffee. The appointment was at 10 a.m. Mike, are you paying attention? I am, sir. The, the appointment was at 10.30. We left here at 9.45, right? So I had had my coffee, but I had not done my business. It, it's hit me kind of on the way to L.A. I'm having a little tummy problems. But I always keep Pepto-Bismol in my car. Uh, 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 Good for box. you. Good I for do, because I'm older. I'm 60 years old. So I take a couple swigs of that, kind of tamps it down. I drop her off. I, for some reason, just as soon as she got out of the car at the Kaiser Hospital, I pulled around midway through the block and I did a U-turn. Somehow turning to my left just made me have to go to the bathroom. I, Good for you. Like, I had to go. So I'm thinking, like, I'm at the maternity thing on Sunset across from the main hospital. I'm thinking, fuck it. They got to let you go to the bathroom inside the hospital. I go and I I park in the handicap zone at the hospital. Oh. And I go running in. I was willing to, oh, dude, to shit. not shit my pants, I'm willing to pay a $250 fine. I You've go running so into far. the hospital. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I go running into the hospital. There's, They won't let me in. Right. They have a security guard there. Who even is in? I go, I have an emergency bathroom thing. And they just look like no comprende. No, no emergency bathroom things here. And the, and the security guard, the security guard kind of waved me away with his hand to go back out the door of box. <laughs> so then I'm like, holy fuck. And then I'm panicking. Like it's coming. I, I got like, I got like, a, I got 90 seconds here. And I'm oh looking for bushes God. around the Kaiser Hospital, and I'm like, fuck. And then all of a sudden, uh, it kind of subsided. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I jump back in the car, and I figure, you know, I can go to this friend of mine's business. It's on Vermont, uh, right? If I can get there, I, you know, he's a good friend of mine. I can just say, I got to use the bathroom, and just run into his business and go to the bathroom. I go there. It's like 10 45 he doesn't open till 11 he's not there now i've uh. gotten out of my car a second time a second time to poop yeah okay. i'm like looking around i'm looking around i'm in this parking lot right right at hollywood in vermont i'm like fuck 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 i go running into the restaurant i go i have an emergency situation can i use the bathroom she says the bathrooms aren't open with covid and i said I know they're open. I know, I know, I know. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm about to go to the bathroom in my pants. Please let me use the bathroom. She goes, you can't be here. You need to leave. This is the compassion. <laughs> oh. This this wasn't the same Starbucks that you wanted the milk in, right? A long time no. ago. Okay. No, that they was This you. is like a fancy, like a nice, you know, like a weird, hip, you know, hipster restaurant in Vermont and Hollywood Boulevard. So then I, I'm just like freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm going to go by the dumpster. I'm going to go whatever. And then it kind of subsides again. You know, what I realized through the morning is it's subsiding because I drank all that Pepto-Bismol. It's like having to come, but then the Pepto-Bismol kick is in between there and it kicks in. So then I say, fuck it. 
you can't trust these businesses that fucking Fred Swingers, the Fred 62 is not going to let me use the bathroom. None of these motherfuckers let you use a bathroom anymore because they don't want to clean it up or whatever, the homeless or whatever. You can't go to the bathroom in Los Angeles. How dehumanizing is that? How fucking dehumanizing is that? For all their all their progressive justice, love everybody. You can't, except for you can't pee in their bathroom. Did you have no cash on you? Did you have no cash? They won't, Mike. They just put yellow tape over the bathrooms. They don't let you in them. You couldn't float them a twenty or something. I would have given anything. A <laughs> hundred. But but so then I, I it's exciting again. So then I'm jamming up Vermont. I go through the red light at Franklin because I know MacArthur Park has I mean uh, Griffith Park has tons of bathrooms because I take Elvis and sit there all the time. There's bathrooms everywhere. There's bathrooms by the trains, there's bathroom by the carousel, there's bathrooms everywhere. Uh-oh. I go jamming down Los Fields, I get out, I park my car, I go run into the bathroom push the door it's locked they locked the <laughs> oh, fucking knew it. I knew bathrooms it. at the fucking park i yeah. said fuck it i'm going <laughs> in the fucking park this is what yeah. these people deserve they deserve this <laughs> the injustice involved in this so but i had to run back to my car to get napkins and so then and then i go up in the i go i go up in this little like wooded area and i start pooping and God, and I, you know, like when you're going up, a, you know, I just went up like a mountain thing to go up behind some bushes, right? I didn't know that a, that a trail is above right where I was. <laughs> so then I'm, stoop, I'm, stoop, I'm stooping down, looking down at the road. I'm far away from the road. Nobody that's on the road can see me pooping in the bushes. But if you look up five feet behind me, there's people exercising <laughs> and on the trail and walking their dogs. And I'm like, and and this guy sees me and I go, sorry. I said, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry you're having to see this. Uh, oh my God. Oh God. What and heck? so I brought this up to a very good friend of mine. And he said, dude, I, I'm having the same problem. And he, he had he had to poop by the side of the road a couple of months ago. No this is way. LA. Yes. They, I bet you Orange, I bet you Huntington Beach is cool. Your bathrooms are open, right? Because you don't even uh, wear masks down there, right? Uh, all, is there- all, all, yes, we wear masks. But yeah, we have open bathrooms and they're all over the beach. They're all over downtown. They're all over Bolsa Chica. All the bathrooms are open. Oh yeah, is there all, a lot of, of homeless people like in downtown Huntington? Yeah, no. Yes, there are. No, there's not. Yo, dude, you have never been to Long Beach, obviously, or downtown. So are Long LA. Beach wait, wait. bathrooms are Long Beach bathrooms open? Uh, yeah, I think they are. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess there are none. All those people I see downtown aren't homeless. They just appear to no, be homeless to me. Friends, I must be mistaken. The, they're just Chuck. friends of the city council. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking, I'm talking, Chuck. I'm talking I'm massive. talking about we have them living in the parking structure, and yet the bathrooms in the parking structure are open because the How public needs to get to There's, bathroom. Look, I'm telling you, maybe Orange County is more compassionate than LA County. No, I mean, what what is more what is more dehumanizing then you can't go to the bathroom think about that 
But where I see the homeless people, Chuck, is on the bike trails going like from Newport, the river mouth up there, up that thing. I see them up there. I don't see a lot of homeless people at the pier because I'm sure they get run off. It's unimportant. We're talking about bathrooms being open. And the reason why bathrooms weren't open in L.A. before COVID because of homeless people. There's a health food bar that I frequent on Main Street, and I went there the other day. I was thinking of coming by, Chuck. But I went there the other day. There's nothing stopping anybody from walking in that door, walking straight into that Jan's bathroom, and um, going to the bathroom. Nothing. They have to go up and ask for a key, I think, but that's about it. They don't stop them. So there's more compassion. I really, I'm not, I'm kind of joking, but it's, it really is so dehumanizing. Imagine if you're homeless and you just have to poop behind a bush in, in, in Griffith Park. How dehuman, is that compassionate? Or you're not homeless. You're just a old junkie. I'm just a person waiting for their wife to get done at the hospital because you can't go in because of COVID. <laughs> You yeah. can't go to the bathroom. It's crazy. It is a great expense that a lot of the bathrooms are kept open because, you know, some of the homeless population are, are you know, some of their behaviors and such. They like to destroy things like, why do you want to burn a toilet seat? I don't understand that. But they do every once in a while. So there's there's a lot of money goes back into repairing this stuff. But like it was weird today. There was a guy downstairs just below our place that was uh it was a black dude preaching about the greatness of Adolf Hitler. And it was one of the strangest thing I'd ever seen. Wow. Did Kanye West check into your rehab? No, but this guy kept going. Uh, he kept saying all the people he wasn't, so he doesn't have any fear. I'm not this guy. I'm not that guy. So I don't have anything to lose. So I'm just going to tell you the truth. But he kept calling him Adolphus Hitler. And, but, the, but, but police showed up and just kind of watched him because he was between two restaurants that have all their outside seating now and so they just kind of watched him and i was waiting for them to charge him or make a big deal out of it but they just waited he got tired of talking jumped on a pedal bike and left the point is that los angeles the most liberal epicenter of liberal thought in america i think that would be san francisco i bet you can't go to the bathroom in san francisco uh, I either i think you can just go right on the street but they can't even you can't even have enough compassion towards the most basic human conditions, which is urinating yeah. and defecating. They don't allow it. We all got to do it. And it's not one of those things we got to do once a day. So the opportunity should be there. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen those signs forever, though, of, you know, paying customers use a restroom only. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure that it's something new. I think that every restaurant probably has to adopt that in order for the street people like Chuck was talking about to keep them out there's a big difference between trying to dodge the police sleep in your car sleep in some part of i used to sleep in the under ramp of the melrose hollywood freeway because if cops saw you sleeping somewhere they'd roust you and somewhere along the line the garcetti administration they just decided you could just pitch a tent and live there right but making no accommodation for how these people are going to urinate take showers defecate it's just so it's so what is, what is, so now all the businesses close the restaurants because garcetti doesn't have the balls enough to like do something about the homeless it's crazy you can't just pitch a tent anywhere you want that's right. not right for the person pitching the tent and it's not right for the people who live in the neighborhood where the where the tent is pitched it's ridiculous but it's thought of to be compassionate 
It's not compassionate. I was going to, where I was, I checked the um, Huntington Beach um, police blotter every once in a while, just because like clients will leave and I like to see that they didn't get arrested. And there's a lot of arrests in Huntington Beach for uh, trespass, illegal lodging, and all that stuff that happens at night. At night, you've got to make yourself scarce. And uh, so yeah, that's but the probably idea... why it's... That's why it's not as bad. That's why there's not tents on every open square foot because it's not allowed. Right. right. And and the, it's just like now the society is breaking down. It's just like breaking down. You can't. Uh, all, all I am is like a middle class guy trying to bring his wife to the doctor and, uh, to see her uh, her uh, you know b- b- delivery doctor and get her update. Um, in the middle of a pandemic where I can't go inside and it's just convenient that the hospital doesn't need, doesn't allow you to go inside where there's a bathroom. The pediatric wing that we, that Chrissy went to doesn't allow me to go in. The restaurant doesn't allow people to use the restroom. The gas station doesn't, the Starbucks doesn't, and the park bathrooms are locked. I mean, what, what, what is that? So what are you supposed to do if you're at the park? What are you supposed to do if you're at the park or if you're, uh, like you said, if you're unhoused, right? Or you're someone who's, who's broke or out for the day, what are you supposed to do? I guess they want people to poop on the sidewalk. I guess they want them to poop on the, in the bushes, I guess. It's just so awful. It's just awful. Bob, how come nobody's thought of, like you're talking about Garcetti, how come nobody's thought of putting, um, uh, you know, outdoor urinals and big, you know, trash cans, dumpsters where the homeless camps are and saying, look, okay, until we figure well, this they, out. Guys- they do in some places, but then I'm sure just like it's the same. It's the same idiocracy that wouldn't allow the needle exchange because it will encourage drug addiction. You have a, you have a mayoral right. policy that allows people to pitch a tent and the police can do nothing. So, but to put bathrooms near them, that would be encouraging homelessness. You know what I mean? You got to just think of how insane our bureaucracy has become. <laughs> where common sense, where common sense has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it doesn't like I very... used to argue, you know, when they when they would rouse the before the needle exchange became established on Coenga, that girl who sadly passed away, and she had so much to do with why I'm alive today. Um, the girl that ran the needle exchange, she used to just go out in her old international harvester truck and she had a big red, like a uh, uh, red cross on her, on her door of her uh-huh, thing. And like she like would a just, medic. <laughs> yeah, medic car. And she would just go down to MacArthur Park and just hand out needles. That was the original needle exchange. And she had boxes that you could put your needle, your old needles in. But then it became more established. She used to get ticketed and harassed by the police for doing that. And she's like, I'm stopping the spread of hepatitis C. I'm stopping the spread of AIDS. AIDS, yeah. That was the uh, AIDS time. And yeah. they're like, no, you're encouraging drug use. That was the police's stance in 1992. I, I right? would be interested to know if homeless advocates have um chased down a solution for this someone who the same way we're in drug we're involved in the uh, 
uh, trying to get people clean. I wonder who the people who are more directly involved with the homeless. I wonder what solutions they've tried to come up with. Because for you, I think you people like you and me got to start keeping some sort of portable toilet in our trunk. <laughs> and then I thought just... of taking Sydney's old porta potty and just put it in the trunk <laughs> of my car. And I, you know, if I have to, I have to. Yeah, but if we made one that looked cool that had like a ble- a bag liner in it or something, so you could just knot it up and throw it at the police when you're leaving or whatever. Hey, maybe maybe bedpans are coming back. You know? <laughs> bedpans, like, but I mean, it's just so ridiculous how how. I'm more interested in how people perceive themselves as these do-gooder liberals of East Hollywood and how they actually operate in their daily life. To not allow that girl that wouldn't let me go to the bathroom in that restaurant, I'm sure she thinks she's a wonderful person who cares about Black Lives Matter and transgender people and all this kind of stuff. Yet in a human situation where somebody was in distress, and and asking for help she just deferred to the rules and she didn't want anything human to happen just following orders sir yeah we don't know about you have to leave you unless you unless you're gonna eat you have to leave i was like eat how am i gonna eat am i gonna poop myself while i eat like (laughs) what are you talking about i need to use the bathroom please please let me use the bathroom and oh, I goodness. guess, you know, it's just so weird how people think, you know, that whole idea. If you ask a person, are you a good person? They always say, yeah, I think I'm a pretty good person. Like, really? What are you basing on? <laughs> that you're normal? Yeah, you're normal. Because I like top 40 music and I pay my taxes. <laughs> no, I can tell you what it is. And because I deal with thousands of new people every year. And so do you. It's because they only go by their intentions, not their actions. They don't, the, people don't base how they feel about themselves, whether they're a good person or a bad person on their actions anymore. They base it on their intentions or their beliefs. Their beliefs and intentions are, define w- w- that they're a good person rather than their actions, right? Because you say, well, what makes you feel that you're, 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 what are you, how are you giving back to the community? If you just ask anybody that, how are you giving back to the community? Well, I'm an ally and I support everybody and I support this. What do you mean you support that? Yeah. Okay. Just, I, I see what you're saying. That was one of those things that was first in the, in the big book that struck me was I'd put my intentions up against anybody's, you know, I had best of intentions, but this sure didn't pan out. Yeah. Because the actions don't line up. If you're mm-hmm. a, if you're a compassionate person, of course I have I, you know of course I have compassion towards uh, towards everybody, including like people I don't like. But but one thing I I kind of bothers me is how people proselytize being this high and mighty elite moral superior kind of class of people, but yet they they're filled with rage and anger and hate and and bitterness and and people are bad and people are good and of course they're always on the good side and the other people that disagree with them are on the bad side and it's just so strange to me that if you ask the people i came in contact with were responsible for not allowing me in the hospital to go to the bathroom right Mm-hmm. I said, my wife is across the street. She's doing a checkup. They won't let me in there. And the guy looked, looked at me like I was speaking Japanese. He said, you, you, if you're not visiting someone, you can't be in the lobby. Right? So, oh, 
Yeah. So I can't be in the lobby. And so the hospital policy, whoever wrote that policy that people, you know, it's based on the homeless. I know it is. I know it is. It's this all this compassion towards the homeless. Yes, we shouldn't have to make it a, it shouldn't be a police thing. It's a, it's a, a, it's a mental health thing and a homeless thing. And it's a, it's a, what is it? What do they call it? It's a uh, uh, wealth disparity thing, right? (laughs) Those are great words. So, okay. So let's get a, let's get a group of people that's willing to put money up so that we can man public restrooms. So they stay clean so that everybody can use them. Does it take somebody stepping into the city and, and creating a proposition like? But um, I, w- I would imagine that security guard who's just sitting there at the front desk at Kaiser. I'd imagine it's his job to kind of like, you know, monitor who goes to the bathroom. You know what I mean? It's not like people are walking in there like with bags of homelessness stuff. <laughs> but he's just—they yeah. just made a policy that nobody can use the restrooms inside the hospital unless you're visiting somebody or unless you're a patient there. And, and that was, I believe, geared towards the homeless population, but they don't say that because then they get in a lawsuit of prejudice against the homeless. It's just because of COVID. And the same thing at Starbucks and the same thing at the, those, the restaurant I went to. And all these people don't understand how much they're, they think that they're compassionate towards the homeless and they're not. It's dehumanizing to allow people to sleep in tents indefinitely instead of help them get on their feet, get into a drug program, get them medications that can maybe help their mental health issues, get them to the Veterans Administration and get some help, get them some assistance, get some housing vouchers, get some get some job training. You know what I mean? We're not doing the real things that change people's lives. We're just patting ourselves on the back for how compassionate we are. Didn't, yeah. didn't Norwood go through this and throw out some numbers on how little it would cost compared to how much we spend? Oh, I know. We spend ungodly amounts of money, but that's you know, the L.A. bureaucracy and kickbacks and corruption. But, the, but the cleanup takes way more than like that. You know, the, the tertiary care is way more expensive than the upfront if if there was a legitimate effort. But I think right now, I yeah, I Norwood think- had a bunch of stats. But but really, in a nutshell, you can understand that the Band-Aid costs more than the cure mm-hmm. but we're we're a society that is obsessed with the band-aid right all the missions are just band-aids people give tens of millions of dollars to those fucking missions they're not a solution they're a band-aid why don't right. we solve the problem and one of the problems of homelessness in los angeles because i was down there looking at it dealing with it for a few years I even bought che- I brought Chelsea Handler down there on special, if you remember, Chuck. Um, <laughs> the the problem is that the missions are a band aid, and the problem needs a a real solution. And the money is siphoned off to the band aid do gooders. I mean, t- I'm talking about tens of millions of dollars go to those missions down there. You know, uh, endowments endowments are given to buy whole buildings down there and turn them into more of this like Band-Aid. You come in at six o'clock, you got to be out by 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., come back for lunch. Like that's a Band-Aid. That's not a solution. 
but right. if all the resources are taken up in dealing with a, a Band-Aid instead of a real solution, which is build low-income housing out by the L.A. River, I've heard it. I've heard that this idea of building all these low-income kind of housing projects along the L.A. River since since that guy built those the tent city. Remember they had those pod cities Mm-hmm. That was 20 years ago. I forget yeah, that, that guy's was. name. He was interesting. Hawkins, I think his name was. He's a yeah. He was a homeless advocate guy. They were talking about building thousands of single apartments along the L.A. River at the backside of Little Tokyo, and just just all the way down the train tracks. Just build a million of them, and you know, and let people have housing vouchers and whatever, and live there. But the problem is that they, with the missions and a lot of the a lot of the voucher housing right now, they don't allow drugs. Well, that's one thing that the homeless population doesn't want to look at. How how much of the people that are out in the, sleeping in the streets are abusing drugs and alcohol? How many yeah. would you say, Chuck? I'll, let's I know. Just say it's fifty percent. Let's I say know it's fifty percent, and that's a low number. I know that's where our out of towners go. That's their first stop when they want to get high is they ask the homeless. Oh, yeah. You know, so I could hook you up. So, you know, but now I'm just seeing like you can't go to the bathroom in L.A. Because of all these variations of of self-congratulatory liberal feel good liberalism and homeless and this prejudice towards the homeless. It's weird. It's as if you're you're feel-good liberalism is what's causing the problem and then you react by shutting down your humanity towards the problem Do you, you understand what i'm saying is that is that is okay so that's the connection is that five steps down the road now you can't find a place to go to the bathroom right right or, so, so it's all dominant car or i'm sure or or feel safe walking from your car at night i'm sure it feels weird uh, and I'm sure that was the problem with all the pods by the by the rivers. Where are they gonna Where are they gonna go during the day? Where are they going to go to the bathroom? Where no, are they no, gonna? No, I'm not talking. I'm talking about like little. What, they're called micro lofts, right? You get like a. It's like a. I hate to say it. It looks like a prison cell, kind of with hardwood floor. And you have like <laughs> a, a sink, a sink, a toilet, a, a kitchenette on the one side. And then you have a couch bed on the other side. They're micro lofts. They're in the old Alexandria Hotel where Charlie's Obsession, this club, used to be. They're like, I don't know, they're like, uh, I want to say 300 square feet. So they're like 30 by 10. 10? Yeah. That's bigger than a cell. And if it's not locked from the outside, it's not a cell. You can get out. And it would be safer than sleeping on the street. It's your your apartment. (laughs) But the reason why they don't <laughs> like doing it is because, you know, there'd be this criminal element there. Who, who, how could you have thousands of people living along the L.A. River in these micro lofts? I don't know. It's better than them pooping in Griffith Park and sleeping in a tent in front of your business, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, and that's that, that is that is a horrible thing I'll never get used to. Pooping and, and, in Griffith Park? No, no the, the, just just the seeing it. It's it's hard enough to drive by it or walk by it or walk through it. But every once in a while, I'll get someone who's new that'll come down who's been doing you know the recovery thing for a while, and they think going to L.A. is the get down. 
and they end up down there and they don't last more than a few days because it's nowhere near as fun as people imagine it to be. Well, it's, here's an interesting thing. I had to tell Elvis and now I had to tell Sydney what it, what it is, why those people are sleeping in the in the tents on the street. Right. So Elvis, Elvis, it was like five years ago. I said they're down on their luck and they're trying to get their life together. And it's really sad. And, but I was like that. And, you know, and I turned it around. So I'm sure they can turn around, you know, but it's it's sad. Um, with Sydney, she just asked, um, there's a big there's a big old like used to be where you parked your car when you got on the bus. Remember those kind of stations yeah, up by the ride. freeway? Yeah. Yeah. Parking ride. There used to be a parking ride at Figueroa and the 134 freeway. <clears throat> and they kind of abandoned it. And now it's just, just homeless encampment. There's literally like 40 tents inside it. And there's just all these homeless people. And Sydney saw it a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, those people are having a party. And I was like, well, I don't think they're having a party. She thought it was, she thought because yeah, it's, it's tents and, you know, tents kind of look like, yeah, farmer, it, looks like fun. it looks like a farmer's market kind of, cause they have those, <laughs> those, you know, they don't all have tents. Some of them have just the, just the things with the tarps. four legs with their tarps. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pop-ups. And so yep. she thought it was farmer's market. It's like the poor people's <laughs> disco, man. They're probably having a ball in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know, that every parent that lives in Mount Washington, Eagle Rock, uh, you know, uh, Highland Park has had to explain to their four and five and seven and eight and ten year old kids what the fuck is going on. I wonder what the <laughs> yeah. children are told. I really do. Oh, I'm sure that that differs from house to house. You know, when we, when we started this thing, we were talking about how different places across the country, however you're raised is normal, right? And what, what your parents tell you, whether we like it or not, a lot of it comes out of our pie holes eventually too, right? So what's, what is said in one house is, is probably well, repeated I, for generations. I'm trying to imagine, like, I guess in some Trumpers household, you'd be told that they're lazy, do nothing bums, right? They're, they're they're lazy. They hate their country, and they're Democrats. <laughs> they're Democrats. Yeah. Kind of what it boils down to. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so then, what would what would um, a real militant like uh, person say? It's it's a white privilege's fault. Yeah, of course. It's 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 systemic. Um, classism, and so and you see what I'm, telling my, out, and what I'm telling my <laughs> children is it's a circumstance they've gotten themselves into, and they can get out of it because I did right that right. that and that's my truth about it. Right, it was possible for you, so it it is it could be possible for other people, and and that that is that's a huge well, disconnect now, from the family though i mean a lot of, exactly a lot of people are abandoned they, they're abandoned by their families because they don't exactly. understand it or they've given up hope and i mean how many people have you talked to bob where it's just like they're kids and they haven't talked to their parents for a year or two yeah yeah i hadn't talked to my family in years what's that got to do with it you, but you found but you you were uh you were spunky enough to be able to keep yourself moving 
miserable or not, you didn't just give up and lay out in the middle of the oh, street yeah, and go, I to, can't yeah, do this. Yeah, no, you had to yeah, to keep the ball rolling. You had to keep the right. So that, that's what's missing. And you've talked about that a lot is the is the motivation and the drive and the survival instinct that keeps us going out there for years, no matter how hard it gets. That seems to be what's missing so much. And I, I thought that was so interesting when you got in on that last week, the idea that we're we're so quick to put kids into treatment that don't need to be there yet that they've given up hope by the time they're ready. You know, and, the, right. and some of these kids are the same thing. Unless it gets hard out there, there's no motivation. You know how many, you know, because I found, I, I, I had this kid that was in some legal trouble that came from Alaska to come to treatment down here about, I don't know, about eight years ago. He's doing great still, I think. I talked to him, you know, he emailed me like two years ago. And, uh, and he told me about how there's all these job openings in Alaska on the pipelines. And it's all manual labor. And it's like $35 an hour. Do you know how many kids I told to go do that? I was like, dude, you got to look up the pipeline work up in Alaska. Look it up. Go, go look into it, man. Get the fuck out of L.A. Get the fuck out of rehab and go up to Alaska. Not one kid did it. Not one. I told I told a hundred, maybe two hundred kids, able-bodied, able-bodied early twenty-year-old kids. Like, what the fuck you want to stick around in sober living for until you use? Just get two hundred bucks. Just get two hundred bucks and take a Greyhound bus to Anchorage and figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, in the olden days, a lot of young people just decided to join the Army or the Navy or the Coast Guard or whatever to get out and see and join the yeah, world. Yeah, but the standards are so high now. The standards are so high. They've got to remove that. You can't be convicted of a crime and do join the Army. they got to remove that. You, can, you yeah, should be able to turn your life around in the Army if you have, have had legal problems in the past. That, that would be some great criminal justice reform to me. Well, didn't the right. judges used to? Didn't the judges used yeah, to? Yeah, they say, used to sentence you. You're They'd going, say, you're going army to jail, or, jail. or you can join the army. That was perfect. Yeah, but now we've made it seem like the army is some, you know, super hard, you know, heroic, uh, hard thing. Well, somebody's got to dig the ditches and you know clean the latrines and stuff like right. that. Like, and that, but but in order to have, you can't a, you can't compel people to work though. That's true. That's the problem. You can't compel people to work no matter what their situation is. Even if it's possible for them, it's 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 been that's been taken away. The idea that you know there's plenty of stuff that could be done. Everybody that uh maybe we could have everybody that's been collecting that uh, $1200 a week on during COVID pay, maybe they could man the bathrooms. Do you think this is wrong? This this happened tonight. So I had to go pick Elvis up at seven o'clock in LA, right? And Sid was sitting on the couch watching TV, and Chrissy was next door with the teachers getting the school ready. And I said, Sid, you want to come with me to go pick up Elvis? And she said, no. And I said, well, mom is next door, and I have to go. So do you want to just sit here by yourself and watch TV? And she said, yeah. And I said, you sure? I'm going to go out the front door and shut the door, and you're going to be alone in the house. Are you sure? And she said, yeah. And then I did, and I was walking to my car, and she opened the door, and she said, I'm not okay being in here alone. And I said, okay, then go next door to the school. 
I said, do you want to come with me? And she goes, no. And I said, go, go next door and go to the school. I left it all up to her. I told her the facts and I left it up to her to decide. I don't think parents are doing that with four-year-olds. And she voiced now, an opinion. She owns her shit. At mm -hmm. first, she was confident. I knew she couldn't be in the house alone. Right? She's four <laughs> years old. Right. I said, are you sure? Because I'm going to leave and shut the door, and I'm going to go get Elvis, and Mama's next door at the school. Do you, do you want to come with me or go with her? Go be with her? And she said, no. And she was watching TV. As soon as I shut the door and I was 10 feet from the front door, she opened the front door and said, I don't want to be alone in here. And yeah. I said, well, then you can come with me or you can go next door to mama. And she goes, I got to go next door to mama. And she started to put her shoes on. Right. You mm -hmm. got to start teaching kids at four. Like you have the power to make decisions. Yeah. I don't think parents are allowing that. Well, so especially when it's like something like that, where there's a, that's a, that's a good example of the situation. It was the same thing with the kids with, when they get a little bit older. It's like, yeah, you can stay up until 11 or 12 o'clock, but you're getting your ass up. How to get to up school. at seven in the morning. Right. You're getting up and going to school. Don't tell me how tired you are. They do that enough times. They change their mind and they get to bed a little bit earlier because they've learned that lesson for themselves. But see, I just like the middle way, right? I'm not some tiger mom, crazy, you know, like these nutcase new parenting ideas. I just want to find some middle way where I'm not doing everything for my children. I'm trying to build them up to know that they own their own autonomy. They can make decisions. They're competent. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I, I don't know if I told the story. So we have a big trampoline, right? You guys know about it. We've had mm -hmm. a special about Frenchie building. It has a zipper on it. Elvis never fucking zips up the zipper. I said, zip up the zipper a hundred times. He never does it. Last Saturday, he fell out and hurt his arm, really scratched his arm up really bad. It was bleeding pretty good, right? Him and Charles, his friend, were pushing each other, and Elvis went, you know, that magical spot right where the yep. zipper is. He went <laughs> flying out, landed on his cement wall, and he comes running over to me, and I go, I go, what happened? And he goes, I fell out of the trampoline. I go, so you didn't zip it up. And he goes, I can't believe you're being like this. You're going to blame me for falling out. And I said, fuck yeah, I am. I told you a hundred times to zip the zipper up. And he was sitting there. He wasn't crying. He's a pretty tough kid, but blood was kind of dripping down. I was kind of freaking him out. And he goes, I can't believe we're having this conversation right now. I go, Elvis, Elvis, this is, is why so I told you to up. zip the zipper. <laughs> Because you fall out and you do that, and this happens. And then I said, Come on, let's fix it. And he talked all weekend about, I can't believe when my arm was bleeding and almost falling <laughs> off, all you could say was, You didn't zip the zipper. I was like, Because that's the lesson you're supposed to learn. And then he was back out there on Sunday. And I said, And the thing was zipped down, right, Chuck? Uh -huh. And I said, I bet you that zipper is zipped every fucking time you get in the trampoline. Until I told you a hundred times and a hundred times you didn't listen. You fell out right. one time and cut yourself pretty good. And now the fucking thing is zipped. That's yeah. how you learn. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it is. And, and it's the same like to most just, things. 
just lucky he didn't fall on his head. Like I wouldn't have probably been so mean if he fell on his head, but he fell right on his shoulder and it scraped down the wall. No, but right. But Good you assessed the situation. You saw that he didn't need hospitalization. You saw that he, he hurt <laughs> he his pride his more than anything, right? And then, then you started up with that. This like you wait, him. <laughs> yeah. That, then, then it's okay, tough guy. This is what happens. I hope we learn yeah, something. Right. And so it, it's just so it's just so crazy that I think this there's a connection to teaching children their own autonomy, and they have power, and they have decision making power, and they can decide that eventually when they're 18 19 they've been in this belief system that they they're competent they can make decisions what we're seeing chuck in these clients in these gen zers and millennials they have no confidence that they can make a decision when i try to get them to make a decision i say i don't know well what do you want to do and they're like i don't know i was like well you know you were there your kid was having myself a limit i'd say to all of them like are you wanting to stay another month or are you gonna are you leaving and they'd be like i don't know i go how could you not know how could you fucking not know you're either <laughs> moving into somebody's house or you're you know or you're getting a job and want to get your own apartment or you're gonna stay here or you're gonna get high there's only like five options and you haven't thought about any of them <laughs> You know, that's it's so common that up there with the checkboxes for the UR form with depression, anxiety, sleep disturbance, difficulty making decisions is one of those boxes <laughs> that you can check. And I, I check them on more clients than I don't because it is it's the simple things. Uh, hey, man, are you going to go to the meeting tonight? I don't know. Well, you don't have plans. You don't have a job. You're in treatment. You have nothing but time. Who should I check with? You know, and then they go, oh, you got to be like that. No, I don't have to be like that, but it's really up to you. Make a decision and follow through. It feels good. Yeah, well, they always want to know the magic thing. And I say the magic thing is making a decision, whatever decision that is, whether it's right (laughs) or wrong, it doesn't really matter. True. Just make a fucking decision, either stay or go. Make a fucking decision and do it. Are, are right? you going to? Yeah. Are you going to stay in California? Are you going to stay in Orange County? Are you, are you going, going to stay go in back? Los Angeles? Are you going to go, are you going to go to where, where your family you, is? Family are you going is. To go are you going to, exactly. Oh, I, don't I told know. this. I told this one kid, Aaron. He's like, "What should I do, Bob? I really respect you. What should I do?" I said, "Dude, you've got money because he had a little bit of dough." I said. You should, you should fly to Costa Rica and just live down there for a couple months. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> just go to Costa Rica. It's cheap. You can probably go down there for like 400 bucks and just get a little place on the beach for like a thousand bucks and just fucking live down there. And he goes, what kind of solution is that? I said, it's better than staying in sober living and just playing video games. Way better than that. Way better than what you're doing. Way fucking better than what you're doing. And then he went around and told everyone that I told him to leave treatment. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> treatment. Here's the thing. So they're in, when you're an IOP, uh, Mike might not know. Mike, IOP <laughs> legally is nine hours a week. And they convince their parents that <clears throat> they're in treatment and they're, and they're so busy. <clears throat> Mostly they're just playing video games. Right. That that's when they want to leave. They they leave at noon 
at 12.30. They get their belly full of food. And then given the option, they will go home, play video games, watch Netflix, do nothing. Uh, and, <laughs> and, then, and that's why and I, then conspire with their co because I lived in my own sober living, you forgot, for a year. Mm-hmm. And then about 5.30. I wonder how many treatment professionals have actually lived in their own Yeah, treatment. probably not many. They start conspiring together as to what food they want to order for dinner. Right? Let's get Thai food. No, let's get pizza. I Like, I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I saw three males in their mid-20s or early 20s talking for an hour and a half on what food they should order. Like, it was... And these are people with no lives, no jobs, no nothing. And their main concern is what food they're going to order to be delivered. Like mm-hmm. if I was in there, I'd be freaked out thinking I'm a loser. I got to get my shit together. I want to get out on my own. I want to get a girlfriend or something. Like they don't think like that. They just think like, what should we get for dinner tonight? <laughs> Dude, uh. <laughs> I, had, I had a guy today go, because he's supposed to be leaving in the next week and we've been working on a discharge plan and aftercare plan for a long time. And he goes, dude, bad news. I got to put $600 in my car. And I go, what the fuck? And he goes, dude, my system totally took a dump. And I'm like, what? Stereo system? Is stereo system. Oh, stereo system? And I go, wait a second. This is a want, not a need. (laughs) <laughs> and you need a place to stay. And he goes, yeah, but what's the point in driving if you can't bump it? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, no, I don't Mike, know what he's saying. I know I, you're telling the truth. I know Mike doesn't believe this story. I believe it. I believe <laughs> Is that the craziest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> and he was well, dead I mean, serious. What's the point uh, he in was drive? dead serious. I've had those conversations. Dead fucking serious. Yeah. Oh and when I said that's a need, not a want, he looked at me like, you're just old. I've had kids ask to borrow $7. I said, what could you get? There's food here. Like, this is at at Aloe Outpatient in in Silver Lake. And I was like, $7? What do you need $7 for? First, I thought, because they do have to pay their co-pays on their medicine, right? So I said, but there's food, like really good food at our rehab. So it can't be food. I said, what, you need coffee or your meds paid for? And he goes, no, I have $26 and I just need seven more. And I said, seven <laughs> more for what? For what? <laughs> a video game. Oh. A fucking video game. This is a 28-year-old male <laughs> borrowing $7 from his counselor to buy a video game. And I said... I said, video games don't cost $30. And he goes, yeah, it's a new release of Bone. I go, well, fuck, there's a million video games on there. What's the difference? Just play the free ones. Yeah, and but goes, it's, it's, <laughs> go ahead. But he goes, what do you say? Like, it's like, I already fucking beat all those games. <laughs> shitty games here. You guys have shitty games. You guys, That's what he said. I'm we going on Yelp. Games here. <laughs> I'm going on Yelp. Yeah, do that. Um, yeah, I'm going idea. on Yelp. You got a shitty video game. <laughs> Worst rehab ever. The um, <laughs> shitty video game. The, the technological so I gave him the seven bucks. Yeah, I gave it to, of course you like, did. Why not? Like, whatever. We got shitty. Uh, like we got shitty video games here. It's just like we got to get better wow. video games for these kids. You got to get know. a job. 
<laughs> well, I, I figured he'd save 26, so. <laughs> so good for him. It's been an hour. <laughs> yeah, but, but then no, he but, wanted money for his copay for his for his meds. So, so we're pointing this from. out. We're pointing this out. And I, I don't know if clinicians are listening or parents are listening or the addicts themselves are listening. I think it's a little sprinkling of, of all three. And the fact is, you, no. the, the life is not this fucking entitlement program. People need to understand that. The, the, all the way from the people that stormed the Capitol need to understand. You don't, you get what you get and you don't get upset. This is the way it is. You live under Caesar, you, do, you live by Caesar's rules. This yeah. whole fucking baby, there's just this snowflake baby shit on both sides everywhere in multiple generations, right? right. And it's just crazy that, you know, the idea that, you know, we're, we're just all just sitting around waiting for our entitled uh, perfect life. No, you get the life that you put in. You get what you give. Got to do some work. Yeah, yeah, and it's not easy. And, you know, the, the life is, you know, I can just say that those jump off points from sleeping on somebody's couch. How about this? Here's what sobriety was for me. Getting out of jail, greatest day ever. And and then staying at Chris Hoy's house, greatest couple months ever, right? Then get my own apartment, greatest day in a decade. Then getting a car, great day. Then moving into a house from the apartment, amazing. You do that incrementally. You don't just get to live in a nice house. So... We're going to continue this later, the discussions of the multiple generations of fucked up parenting Woo! and right what on. it causes. Right. And in the meantime, no. don't die, everybody. Don't die. Good yeah, night. the whole goal. Don't die of COVID. Don't die of drug overdose. Don't kill yourself. Don't, don't, uh, don't. What's the other death thing? Go don't, to the bathroom before you don't leave Don't die of holding your poop in too long. Yeah, don't yeah. think you're going to use a bathroom in a public restroom in Los Angeles. Right on. Okay, Good, night, guys. Guys. Good night, everybody. Bye. Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die podcast. Got 100 people a day dying of drug overdoses, and it's got to stop. Aloe Treatment Centers wants it to stop. We want people to get educated about drugs, about treatment. We want you to learn, laugh, and live, but first and foremost, don't die. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you the call.